first time welcome we're so glad that you're with us aren't we church aren't we glad that you're with us if you're here for the first time and and uh for those joining us online I, I need you to know there are hundreds and hundreds of families that join us online every single Sunday and we're continuing to expand um our reach as a family into the homes of of, of family uh, into the homes of people throughout the region and um it's an incredible thing that the gospel gets to be broadcast all over the place and I just want to thank you for your continued gen generosity, and I want you to know what your generosity produces. It brings the saving grace of Jesus into the homes um, of people, and in addition to that, um, it's bringing the gospel message at to, into the SCI Chester Correctional Facility. Um, in, our, in partnership with God Behind Bars, uh, we got a family there, and it's continuing to grow. So let's show some love to them as well. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Well, hey, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. It's uh, good to be in God's house. And today I'm, I'm kind of torn a little bit because it's one of those uh, exciting days to honor the fathers. But in the, in the same vein, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a reality that, that fathers have been absent in some aspects of their role in, in America today. And, but I'm encouraged, not in what I see, but in who I know, meaning the Lord. I know that in Christ, he can reshape and reform and, and repurpose our mistakes and our shortcomings. And, and it can become a glorious thing um, before God. And as we unpack scripture today... I want you to know this, if you're a father in the house, there, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The enemy loves to remind you of your failings and your shortcomings and your, and your faults and wants you, to be, wants you to feel as if you are tied down with, with no sense of victory and no victory in, in your future. I want to begin, as we have throughout this entire series of battle, um, battle lines in Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, I think this is... In, in context of fathering, probably one of the most profound verses. We can look at it in the sense of a, a spiritual, an isolated spiritual verse and disregard the importance as it pertains to fathering. But I believe every father has the inherent or the responsibility, I should say, to protect those whom he loves and those whom are around them. And often fathers, when you hear that, you know, um, you start to like walk around like this, like, yeah, I'm going to protect. No, no, no. I think we've, we've, we first need to fight the spiritual fights. And if we want to be good fathers, we'll begin in, in winning in the spiritual fight before we worry about anything else. Can you say amen? amen. In Ephesians chapter six, it says, for, the, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I am committed to reading that verse to you because I want you to walk in one Sunday and I want you to hear that. And I want you to be free 
from the pain of people around you and thinking that they're the reason that you're, you're struggling, they're the reason that, no, it is a spiritual force that is against you. Um, it's, and they can use people, but w- the Bible says that our fight is not against flesh and blood. It is against a spiritual force, a spiritual adversary. In Genesis chapter 17, we see that God begins to talk to Abram, his name later to be called Abraham, as God would change it in this text, but he would make a covenant with him. You notice we've been going through the covenants that God has made, not only with Adam, then with Noah, and now with Abram. It says in verse 1 of chapter 17, when Abram was 99 years old, He's taking some type of vitamins. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant, be- then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. And I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. There's probably nothing more encouraging than hearing the voice of God saying, Hey, your name is Abram. You have no no offspring, there's no fruit evident in your generational line right now, but I'm going to change your name and I'm going to give you a name that means father of many, na- a father of nations. And, and that's what I'm going to give you. You're going to go from Abram to Abraham and I'm changing something. It must have been an overwhelming feeling. It must have been something of excitement. And then you have your first conversation with someone. You say, hey, my name's been changed by God. And they said to what? Abraham. Well, you don't have any kids. And your name is now father of many nations, but you have nothing before you. I, I think, listen to me, every time God makes a covenant with, with people, even like he did with, with Noah, even like he did with Adam, every time God makes a covenant, he, he, he calls us to walk out in faith the promises that he's made before they come to pass. Saying, hey, I'm calling you to build an ark. Well, why? Because it's gonna rain. I don't see any rain. I don't even see a cloud but I'm calling you to do it. Hey, hey, Abram, I'm changing your name to be father of many nations. I will give you thousands of, of children in your generational line, and, and I need you to believe it. You're 99, and you don't have one child. <laughs> You're like, yeah, exactly. You just start laughing, going, <laughs> all right, God, how's this going to work, you know? But walking it out in faith and believing that God will bring it to pass. When things don't happen in the time we expect them, I think that's when we usually take the reins back. And we, we usually take them back and say, no, you know what, I think if I just took control of the situation, that I could make this happen myself. Have you ever felt that way? If, if I just, if I, I'm still walking in faith, pastor, still believing God. I'm just, I got a side thing going on and I just want to make sure that, that just in case this doesn't happen, I got it covered. Do you know that's what Abram did? It's exactly what he did and brought about Ishmael. And in exactly, he, he, he defied the fathering that he was called to, the lane God called on the run in. He was either tired or discouraged or felt as if, man, maybe this won't happen. I'll just do it this way. And every time we step out of the promises of God 
And we, we, we tell God, listen, God, it's okay. I'll figure it out. There's always ramification or consequences to the sin that we choose to walk in. You know, I remember having a conversation in seminary with someone about the importance of mothers and fathers, especially in the home. I want you to know, do you remember when we were talking at the beginning of this conversation and I told you that as we get into it, there's gonna be some stuff that, you know, appears surface level to, to divide us. Do you know, anytime you, you talk about race or you talk about politics or you talk about income or you talk about certain areas, people can naturally, just because of the conversation, feel divided. They can naturally feel separated just because of the way that you speak. And it's interesting because one of the things that the enemy wants us to believe is that not only do we have, the enemy wants us to believe that we can provide the solutions apart from God. No, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We don't need God. And then in the same way, they try to take what God has established and diminish it down to nothing and say, hey, let's just start over. Let's start over in, in the idea of fathering and mothering. Let's start over in the idea of gender. Let's start over in the idea of marriage. Let's just start over. Let's just, let's rethink it all. And actually God will permit it. He'll allow us to just do whatever we see fit. You read through the book of Judges and at the end of it, it'll always say this. It says that in that time when there was no king, everyone did as they saw fit in their own eyes. Whatever you see is right, you do it. And the consequences of that are frightening. When you start to look at statistics and you start to realize that when a father or even a mother is removed from the home, things start to fall apart and unravel. You know, it's fascinating to me, and I don't get overwhelmed. I don't get bought into the over-political kind of conversation in it. I look at everything in this world that the enemy tries to take what is not his, whether he uses a vehicle of, of politics, whether he uses a vehicle of economics, whether it's education, whatever it may be, even well-intended people, the enemy has one goal, to twist and distort the things of God. Remember Ephesians 6, we do not fight against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual thing. At the beginning of this year, the Speaker of the House in the United States Congress, and I'm sharing this with you because I want you to see how the world functions in this arrogance towards the thing of, things of God. It's this sense of superiority to just say, God, we, we really don't need you in this. We can just do it ourselves. At the beginning of this past year, the 117th Congress announced this. They will be making new rules, sweeping out ethics reforms to increase the accountability for the American people and to make the House of Representatives the most inclusive in history. Inclusive in history. And this is how they will do it. They will be eliminating the words father, mother, son and daughter from all federal codes. I want you to see something, not through this political lens and not through this, this Democrat and Republican or independent, just, just take that out. Look what God has established and look what humanity in our own arrogance says to God. We no longer need fathers. We no longer need to call people mother. We no longer need to acknowledge sons and daughters. And I just want you to watch. I want you to watch when, when the world tells you that life isn't valuable, but God says it is. 
And I want you to, to wrestle with that. I, I, want you to, I want you to find out like what, what navigates your convictions, what, what gives you the purpose to live, what, 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 what allows you to look at something and say, you know what, that's just not right. Is it the word of God or is it society? I was recently studying and it says that there is this crisis in America and the greatest crisis in America today is the absence of fathers. It says, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 18.3 million children in America, one in four, live without a biological step or adoptive father in the home. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all of societal ills facing America today. Research shows that when a child is raised in a father-absent home, he is affected significantly in the following ways. And I want you to listen to this. Poverty. In the aspects of poverty, that individual is four times greater to risk living in poverty. They are seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. They are more likely to have significant behavioral problems. They are more likely to face abuse and neglect. Two times greater to risk, two times greater risk of infant mortality. They are more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. They are more likely to go to prison, two times more likely to suffer with obesity. They are more likely to commit crimes and two times more likely to drop out of high school. Now, I want you to, after hearing all that, it seems overwhelming, doesn't it? It's the consequence when we deviate from the things of God. And what happens in our society is we will spend billions of dollars and time and effort and energy into fixing the symptoms of sin rather than acknowledging the problem. And it's not a matter of pointing fingers at people and saying, oh, well, this and that. It's not. This is just to help us see the importance of being obedient to God. And for none of, the Bible says, again, there, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're here today and you are a single parent, I want to applaud you. I want to stand around you. I want to strengthen you. I want to help you. I, want to, I don't want you to become and your children to become a statistic like we read. And I want there to be spiritual fathers and mothers to stand beside, which there are in our house. And we should give God praise for that. But I just want you to know how important it is. To when God establishes something, that when you choose to deviate from it, when you choose to say, you know what, it just doesn't matter to me, well, there will be consequences. And the fascinating thing about it, this is not a Christian statistic. This is not a Christian organization that said, hey, we've identified a God factor in all of this. <laughs> it's not. These could be atheists, agnostics. These could be people who, are, who have no desire to walk in the ways of God, but they're like, we found something interesting. <laughs> there is a cause in all of this that seems to trend all the way back to the formation of the family. And when the fathers are absent, all of these things become a reality. We see in ads today, society trying to misrepresent masculinity and femininity. They're trying to dilute the things that God speaks of in scripture. We're taught that the way that God has ordained the family is in some way old school, that we should rethink it and scrap it. And there should be a 2.0 version of the way that the family should be formulated. 
I want you to know this does not change the way that we love people and the way that we see people and the way that we care for people. If anything, this should give us a heightened awareness that in our own arrogance, we tend to say to God, God, I think that I can do this my own way. And may we never fall prey to that. May we never fall into that trap. May we be aware that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but there are principalities, there are forces that are advocating against the things of God, against fatherhood, against motherhood, against the things that would be honoring to God in many ways. It's interesting because as I was studying and going through a ton of commentary, I remember my first time in seminary and I was given a, a specific passage to, to um, share and unpack, to exegete, if you would. It was a hermeneutics course and, and I had to get in front of the class and I think the professor was trying to be a bit funny with me and he gave me this specific, I'm not even gonna tell you the text that he gave me, um, but it was just a wild text. And he says, hey, Mr. Eisenhart, you're gonna have, it was in Judges, I'll just tell you that. He goes, you're gonna have Judges so-and-so. And at the time, I'm like, oh, that sounds great. And then I remember in the middle of class turning to Judges and going, what the heck, you know? And, and so he said to me, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get a bunch of different commentary. I want you to read um, very kind of more liberal theology in it. I want you to read more kind of moderate theology in it. I want you to read more of a conservative approach to the text. And I said, why all three? He says, I want you to see how people can take a text and how they can sometimes morph it into what they desire it to be. And, and that wouldn't be called an exegesis, that would be called an eisegesis where you're reading into the text and not pulling out of the text what is clearly written. So I have a motive, I have an agenda. I, I wanna see something there that's not really there. We see that in America today, people do that with the Bible all the time and that's why it's important that we know the word of God, not only know the word of God, but we know how to properly interpret what scripture says. We know the context of, of the text. We understand who the text was written to. We understand the author of the text. And, and as I was going through this kind of developmental process for me, just as a young student in seminary, I remember reading some commentary about the fall of humanity. Remember we began this reading about Adam and Eve. And, and I remember coming across this, this commentary in regards to Adam's failure in the garden. And I was so perplexed by it because, you know, it, it's always funny. We're like, well, the man didn't screw up. The woman did, you know, and it kind of makes you feel, the women are like, excuse me, you know, and and I remember reading it and actually the entire commentary was about, no, the fault was not on Eve, it was on Adam. I was saying, what? This guy's crap, I'm gonna read what he says. You know, and I start going through all of this thing. And he talks about the failure of being the father or the head of the household to lead in the areas of protection and direction. And that he neglected to lead Eve to, to protect Eve from what? From physical adversary, spiritual ones. Spiritual things that would seep into the family unit and attempt to destroy it. And he was absent. He wasn't present. He was off naming more animals, you know, doing other things. Whatever he may have been doing, it might not have been a bad thing that he was doing, but he was absent in the family direction and not protecting what he should have been protecting. One of the crazy things about studying scripture as it pertains to fathers is that God calls us to lead. And he doesn't, 
He doesn't just suggest it like, hey, I think maybe you should lead. Just think about it, you know, just. He commands it. He commands it in such a way that it is, it's the highest priority of, of the Father is to lead spiritually. And you know what I, I've found in some of this is, is when, a, when a man is out of his element, um, they become, we, we, I was talking about them as if I'm not, we become apathetic in the area that we feel ill-educated in or ill-equipped. We kind of just, you know, we, we back up and we let others take the lead. Now, if it's in an area that we feel kind of confident in, if it's sports, if it's, if it's construction, if it's teaching, whatever our profession may be, we're, we're, we're confident and we're, we're ready to go. But when it comes to the aspects of spiritual things, we become, we become backseat in it. We, we, we relinquish the authority that has been placed on our shoulders to someone else. And I just want you to know that the scriptures teach that, that we can't, we're not permitted to do that. And I remember often thinking, well, you know, uh, they're more spiritual than I am, you know, or they just understand, they just, they just hear God. I don't hear God. Do you know what I mean? And I, I just, I remember even in my, my own marriage, I remember in, in, in t- at times going through some difficult seasons and Liza would come up to me and she says, hey, I prayed and I heard God say this. And I remember saying to myself like, like, I didn't say this out loud, but thinking like, you heard God? It's great. Still waiting to hear God say something to me, you know? <laughs> and uh, there was a time when, you know, we were really struggling financially and we were trying to make a decision. And she says, this is what we're going to do. I really feel like God said, do this. And I was like, so frustrated, but I was like, oh yeah, God told me that too, you know? <laughs> and she looked at me and she's like, okay, you know, <laughs> well, you know. I was like, no, he didn't, hon. He didn't tell me anything, you know? And I want you to know something. There is a place in all of this for us to feel a sense of inadequacy and just be like, you know what? Well, I don't, I don't know what to do. Don't forfeit what God has commanded or called you to do. Yeah. Don't relinquish it to somebody else. There, and if, if some of you are like, well, I don't know where to begin. Make God's house non-negotiable. Yeah. Begin in that. Be the first person prepared to leave every Sunday. You don't need to know Hebrew and Aramaic. You don't need to know how to pronounce Habakkuk and the rest of the old prophets. All you need to do is say, hey, God's house is above everything else, even on sports on Sunday, and you show up to God's house. I, I, listen, some of you, this will help you. When you get to heaven, there's not an entrance exam saying, hey, how many championships did you win in Little League, you know? Hey, how many, you know, how many sports games did you take your son to? I think there's an aspect of that. There's a component of fathering and leading well. But that should never come before the things of God. We're raising up a generation that views fathers and they mimic what dad does. They mimic it. They do the exact same thing. If a father is absent from the house of God or a father's absent from the home, it's generational. And it just continues to happen. And so what is this today? It's a charge to all men. It's a charge to encourage one another. Not to, not to become lackadaisical and say, oh man, they're just, this was the day where they beat on dads. Aren't we supposed to celebrate dads? No, we are celebrating you by helping you get in alignment with your call. Figure, figure it out. Am I perfect in it? I'm, I'm far from perfect in leading as a father. I'm far from perfect. 
but this is all I know. And I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm just going to do the basics. And I'm going to do the best that I can in, in doing the basics. I'm going to be in God's word. I'm going to be praying before, before the Lord, praying for my wife and for my children. I will, I will always be found in the house of the Lord. It will be a priority to me. I will make sure that my children acknowledge that God is our source above everything else. Do you know, if you think about it, Jesus teaches us, Jesus teaches us to refer to the Father, to refer to God rather as Father. And he teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. No, address him this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He teaches us. Now, Jesus, he is the second God, in, 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 the, the only son of God. He is recognized in the text as God incarnate. And here he teaches us to call upon him in such a way that creates this intimacy as a father. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but there's some things that I've just learned quickly through reading through the word and over the course of my life, and I've watched it in my father's journey. I've, I've watched it in other people who honor God that our Father in heaven is our source of all things, of all things. And I love it because even in Jeremiah chapter one, it says that, that he knew us. He knew us before we were formed in the womb of our mother. You may carry genetic DNA from your biological father and even from your biological mother, but, but you didn't accidentally step into this world. God knew you. He formed you. Jeremiah 29, 11, for, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Our God is the source of all things. He's the source of all things. And beyond that, he's the provider. He provides so much for us. There's this one verse I wanna share with you fathers today before you go. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. You can write this down. I want you to go back and read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Wives, if he's not writing it, you write it for him. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I'm just kidding. Verse 13 through 14. Be on guard, it says. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything in love. The message version says it this way, keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you've got, be resolute and love without stopping. Be watchful, watch over your family, your wife, your children, protect them. Watch vigilantly, vigilantly for, for those around you. And, and when, when Paul writes this, you know, he would often say, watch, be diligent, be on guard. You know what he was saying? Christ could return any moment. That's what he's saying. Christ could return any moment. So be ready, be prepared. Let him find you serving him. Let him come and, be, and return with you looking after him in anticipation of his return. Don't get caught in the, in the madness of this world. Fix your eyes on the things that are above. Fix your eyes on the author and the perfecter of your faith. Look to Jesus in all things. Be watchful. Be on guard. Keep your eyes out. There's a spiritual adversary out to destroy your marriage, to destroy your children. And be watchful. Be watchful of it. He says, stand firm in the faith. Have an unwavering dedication to God, no matter what circumstances arise. You know, there's one translation that I love Instead of saying, stand firm in the faith, this is what it says. It says, act like a man. 
<laughs> I said, oh, I don't know how to say that, you know? But there's so many things that we can fight for. We can fight for so many things. But my friends, I'm telling you, if you fight for the things of God, it will produce a lasting ripple effect in the generations to come. Your family will be blessed. Your children's children will be blessed. Your marriage will be blessed if you stand firm in the faith. Can you say amen? 1 Corinthians 13, it says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Moses stood before the nation of Israel and says, on this day, I call heaven and earth as a witness against you. And I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. <laughs> and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Two more things. He says, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong in the mind. Take care of your body. And keep a strength in your will. Carry yourself with courage. And not confidence in what you can produce, but confidence in what God can do. Walk strongly and know and hold those convictions that if God is for you, who can be against you? You may not have it all figured out. None of us do. But we do know one thing, that if God is for us, who can be against us? And so we're going to walk that out. Philippians 1.27, it says, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Listen, we're in a world today, everyone's trying to divide us. Everyone's trying to tell us why we should be angry at this person, why we should be angry at this person, why we should hate this group and why we should hate that group. Whatever we do, we're gonna do it worthy. Do it in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And the final thing, do everything in love. It's a selfless love which places those in a care above yourself. And I love this because this is our father. This is, you know, it's fascinating because, you know, God's wired men differently than women. And if you have yet to ever come to one of our Marriage Express events, I want to encourage you to be part of that. It's, it's always a good time to laugh and it's really a refining thing. I mean, there might be 30 or 40 couples crying because God's refining their marriage and helping strengthen it. And there could be a hundred laughing and, and refining their marriage as well. And, and I realize that sometimes um, we see things this way as men and, and our wives see things this way. But there's something fascinating when a child comes into a marriage because there's something, there's something beautiful about it there, and, and it's expressed different, differently by, by the man and by the woman, but they love the child. And there's this strange thing, you, you, you don't, yeah, I don't know how to put it in words. And some of you understand what I'm trying to say is when you have a child, man, they can make you so angry, you know, where you're just like, oh, Jesus, help me, you know. But you're just, your love for them never changes. Your love for them doesn't change. You have so much love for this person, even, even throughout the disobedience, just so much love, it just doesn't dissipate. And that's just a fraction. That's, that's inadequate to compare it to the things of God, to God's love towards humanity. The Bible describes his love this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
It says in Romans 5:8, but God demonstrates his love towards us. Someone's like, well, how did he buy us something? Did he get us something? No, while we still despised him, he gave up his life for us. He took our place and he died. It's the radical love of God. And John 3, 16 expresses it maybe the most beautifully throughout all scripture. And it's just powerful. It's powerful because it not only puts in perspective the the love that God has towards humanity, (laughs) but it helps like rekindle that understanding of man, God loves me that much. And man, I've screwed up this week. I screwed up last week. But man, God's love is ever present. He's always present with me, encouraging me to move closer to him. He's helping me be a better father. He's helping me be a better husband, a better pastor, whatever it looks like in your world. (laughs) For God so loved the world that he gave. We serve a generous father. I wanna be a generous father. I wanna protect my children. I wanna care for them. I want to help lead them and guide them. Will we be perfect? None of us are perfect. But in all of our shortcomings and all of our failures, may we recognize one thing, that we should stand firm in our faith, that we should be watchful to the enemy's attacks on our family around us, that we could be strong and courageous, and that we desperately depend on the things of God. Let me pray for you. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let me pray for you before we go. If you're here today or you're joining us online and and maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and today is your day, you're saying, you know what? On Father's Day 2021, this is the time I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I began sharing with you John 3, 16 and it's a powerful verse, but it's good to remind yourself of the love that God has for humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You can't save yourself. There's no way that you could purchase salvation. You, you can't work towards it. You can't acquire it over the course of time. You can only receive it. Ephesians 2 verse 8 teaches us that it is by grace through faith that we receive salvation. Some of you might say, well, what do I need to be saved from? <laughs> verse 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but rather to save it. And he saves us from ourselves. He saves us from our sin. And some of us don't even recognize where we're walking, but Christ shows up and he tries to help us realize that where we're walking is to a place that's eternally separated from the father. And Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And how did he do that? He went to the cross Some of you might be like, well, what does the cross have to do with me? My friend, that cross has everything to do with you. It was on that cross that that your salvation was purchased. It was because of the blood that was shed by Jesus that you can be saved. So the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, we will be saved. That we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave. Scripture teaches us that we will become children of God. So if you're here today or you're watching online and you're ready to say, okay, today's my day. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I wanna lead you in a a prayer. Simple prayer, but a significant one. The Bible says on the other side of this prayer, you're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. So come on church, let's say this prayer together. Repeat, Repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear heavenly father, I receive your son Jesus as my personal Lord and savior. Forgive me of my sins. 
and come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross and conquered sin and death. I am now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap. It's good to be in God's house today. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet before we go. I do think we have some, uh, some what do we have out there, Pastor Brown, for the, for the fathers? Jaquay, what did we say we have out there today? We have beef jerky, you don't know, and some other things. We, we don't know, but we want to bless the fathers with some stuff out there today. We, do, we have stuff, right? We, we have something out there for the dads. We love you fathers so much, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Man, God is good. Hey, listen, if... If you're here today, and I just want you to hear, hear our heart. I, I don't, every time we preach through this, I know sometimes when people come and maybe you're here for the first time, you're like, man, that was, it's kind of hard on fathers. Um, I realized in my life, every time there was a significant change, it, it came with not confrontation, but it came with strong direction. You can call it rebuke, you can call it whatever you want, but I needed someone to come to me and say, hey, you're, you're kind of, that's not gonna produce what you want. And my heart is for you in such a way that I don't want to just walk up behind and say, hey, just keep doing what you're doing. It'll, it'll work out in the end because <laughs> that's just not true. Um, the Bible says that God shall not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. And I want you to sow good things into your family, into your marriage, into the generations to come. If you're here today and you said yes to Jesus, it's the best decision you ever made in your life. We have a Bible for you. Um, we'd love to get this in your hands. As you exit today, you'll see people in the lobby waving this around. Just go up to them and say, hey, I made a decision for Jesus. We'd love to get this in your hands. There's reading plans in here, here ways for you to get greater connected into the life of the church. And I'm um, just so grateful for you. Everyone watching online, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, let the team know. We'll, we'll mail this to you and do everything we can to help you in your journey with Jesus. And finally, um, if you had yet to receive a copy of Battle Lines, I believe there are still some copies available to you today at Next Steps. You can go in there and say, hey, I'd love to pick up the devotional. And uh, how are we doing our reading? Are we still reading? Some of you? Okay. And some of you are like... I'm going to lie and just say yes. Everyone's watching me right now. That's okay. Just keep reading. Listen, just stay in the word. I'm telling you, his word will not return void. It'll produce something in your life. You'll come across a situation and you'll be like, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. And then you'll go, oh my gosh, where did that just come from? Um, the Holy Spirit will navigate you um, through the trials and tribulations of life. Stretch your hands to heaven. Let me pray for you before you go. Father, I thank you for guiding us and directing us. Father, we pray for Elaine right now. And we just pray that you continue to be with her. Um, and Father, I pray that in this season of life and the uncertainties that lie ahead, and even in the things that we may feel certain of, Father, we pray that you would become the focus of our heart, that we would fix our eyes on you, that our confidence will not be in what we hope to achieve or what we can acquire, but may our confidence be in what you've done on the cross. May our confidence be in you and in you alone. Father, go with us as we go today. Bless the families, bless the marriages that are present today, Father. In your precious and holy name we pray, a faithful church said, amen. 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 God bless, guys. <laughs>